Broadcasting Network. Okay, podcasters, we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to do a love song for you from Ray and Jim. Um, so I hope you like it. Someday, when Ray and Jim are awfully low, when the world is cold, we will feel a glow just knowing you're listening and the way you're listening right now. Lovely With your smile so warm And your cheeks so soft There is nothing for Trey and Jim But to love you Just the way you look tonight Oh yeah Tonight, rich with each word, your tenderness grows, tearing our hearts apart. At last, that wrinkles our nose. Touches Ray and Jim's foolish heart Lovely Don't you ever stop listening Keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause we love just the way you look to dark. Okay, trumpet time now. Here we go. Never, never stop listening 
keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause we love you Just the way you're listening to mine Oh, thank you We appreciate you Okay, so well, welcome, folks. Thank you for your nice comments again. And you like to recall that segment, the Ray's Vacation. Is that what we called last segment? Christmas Vacation? Ray's European Vacation. Ray's European Vacation, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, okay. it's called Getting Deported. Okay. Um, and nice comments about the theme song, the podcast theme song, we're calling it. Um Seems like for folks like that. So, we're going on today. And um, uh, one thing that we're working on that I would like to, to give you a picture of, so of course a lot's going to center around this basic idea. So just to give you the, the theme of it, then we're, and we'll, we'll go on into our experiences about it. So I'll just do this in a narrative way. Just uh, take a minute. The idea, the um, point I'm trying to make is that an awareness of the two natures in ourselves, a higher nature related to the one world and a lower nature related to another and a different kind of world. We're not solely one or the other. We participate in life with both a higher or divine nature and an animal nature and a lower nature. And we're saying that health or Psychological health or more of a real person has a promise of being a real person if he can live with both natures present in himself and not withdraw from one or the other. So a conscious man more is a man who is always vigilant, watchful, and remembering himself in both directions and observe, observes uh, uh, and observes and confronts the interplay of these two natures. So that's all I'll say about that. So just it's an idea of you begin to begin to feel it within yourself, and that's. But would a, you say, Jim, like everything earthbound is of of the lower nature? The potential, everything earthbound is is naturally the lower. That it is the animal, and uh, that's the way it should be. But also, in in the human uh, human consciousness, there's a possibility of a connection for we call this other or spiritual nature. So we're literally, a human being could be defined as a transcendent being, a potential to transcend um, the lower nature. But it's, but it's both, that's, it's a combination of both that we're, uh, that we're working with. But also like the lower nature, you know, I, I lived, I, I, come, I, can't, I started coming to see you when I was 30. So, essentially, my whole life was lived in the lower nature. I mean, the lower nature has communication. The lower nature has an intelligence. The lower nature has universities and such. That's that's what I'm... Because you yeah. say, like, the animal nature, like, you know, you're thinking, okay, you know, birds and bees, you know. But I think most people are, are 
Well, I know I am. I mean, I live 90% of my life in the lower nature. You know, and I, 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 I like to convey that the lower nature's in day-to-day goings-on is just tremendously huge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's... You see, it's part of it's part of our heritage. It's not to be looked at that something is wrong. That that is part of our heritage, and the other uh, animals have it in their instincts and so forth. It's just that now there's been a third brain and a higher consciousness and a reflexive consciousness, a consciousness that could reflect. So we're up at a little higher level. Uh, so now we can begin to see the whole process, the whole evolution and begin to look at it and interpret it and where well, the other animals can't. Um, so it's a matter now of somewhere along the line uh, coming to there's something else important that, that I need to contact while I'm in this uh, transcendent kind of personal possibility, and how could I do it? The animal nature is going to be satisfied with, uh, with its pleasures and its and, and, and make, a, or make a life out of that, or we call more of the egoic life, and that's fine, and that's one level. So the idea is, first place to understand it, we have a, a surface consciousness, a surface consciousness that's uh, pretty much dominated by personality and, um, and um, uh, conditioning, and then we have a deeper reality uh, where we say the essence and many names given to that were that. So those two, those two areas, the surface and the depth, need to come together. And there's a special work in all traditions, in the Zen and the Jewish and Christian world and Hindu world, American Indians, where there's a work towards the, um, the link between these two natures. That's, that's the idea of it. And to have this link between the two natures, then we, we will need a, something that can begin to work with them, and that's what I'm calling a base camp, a center of gravity, the, a place in us that is quiet enough to observe and resist the mechanical reactions. In other words, a stable place between these two natures, these two currents, these two different consciousness. And we all live mostly out of the first one and the surface consciousness, but there is a potential to unify the two of them. What do you think? What do you think? Like out of your observations, what, who do you think is playing with both, percentage-wise, population? Who who's playing with both? Who's uh, yeah? Like who's aware in, of it? Yeah. Oh God. Well, I wouldn't say it just like this. I mean, there's a lot of people have some kind of awareness, particularly if they grew up in a tradition and the tradition with its different kinds of Wisdom teachings have would say something like this, not exactly like this, but something like this area. So, God, I know it would be hard to say, but most people don't take it seriously, even if they're introduced to it. They just don't see it as a. Uh, they don't feel. They don't feel any any yearning or motivation to change anything, and that's why it pretty much stays the same way. So most most are going to take it to the grave. Oh yeah, yes, in some form of it. You know, there's there's some people have ideas about it, and we'll make um, we'll make a superficial effort. We'll even believe that they're 
there is that possibility that these two natures could be united. But remember, remember when uh, the, remember when my mom was dying and I was coming to see you, and you said, you know what, you should get a hold of a, a priest. You know, maybe your mom wants the last rites and everything. Oh, yeah. right? So I called the priest up uh, at St. Charles. I talked to talked to him a couple times, you know, and I was talking to you about it. And then when I went to come talk to my mother about it, I go, Ma, listen, what about last rites? I know you were baptized and so on and so forth, you know. And she told me to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ma, right. this is your chance, you know, to bridge right. this 60 whatever years you have with, with some tradition or something. <laughs> and, she, and I had already done the legwork for her, right. and she told me to fuck off. Uh-huh. I think she might have taken it to the grave with her. Well, you know, she she took that attitude about it, but who knows laying laying in that room in the dark with pain and so on. No, had, something else was in her eyes. Uh, I mean, that was her mm-hmm. voice, but mm-hmm. I knew something else was behind, behind that. You know, and her touch and, you know, you could, but, you know, verbally what she said was because she was kind of toxic in that way. Yeah. You know, and then I, I see myself that way too, and that's the lower nature. And then, and I haven't been able to get out of my own way for a long time until I started, you know, coming to you. And then seeing, you know, doing, witnessing and, and starting to build a base camp, as you're saying, with like observing myself and my behaviors and how they they all seem to be repetitive at a level you know type of to type of woman i was attracted to to and cyclical too you know like as far as everything i would do and then the more i would observe the more freedom more or less you could get out of those patterns you could like mm-hmm. kind of not part or you wouldn't have to go from 1 to 100 you could nip it at 22 mm-hmm. because you have you know, you'd see the signs of it, and you'd go, mm-hmm. oh, I, okay, I know you, and I know this, or I know this part of me, and now I don't have to, you know, do this. And you can actually get away. But that struggle that ensues in in that observation, wh- why does it always have to be, like, such a painful struggle? Mm-hmm. Well, first place, the struggle of of not just going on by what I know and everything that may work f- for me and going against something that's going to ask us to begin to make changes in different areas of our life and even give up certain ways we're, uh, um, ideas and opinions about. We think too highly of ourselves in the sense that we think we know so much. Well, come on. But... Uh, <laughs> So now we've got to come full force with the with the addictions, the powerful habits, the tendencies that are are not interested in this at all, and um, so we got to begin to see when they come up. That's part of this thing about vigilance and being understanding. So we have the lower, and we have the uh, we have the surface, and we have the deeper nature, um, and this thing I'm calling the transcendent observer. Is the part that's able to, and it needs a more. That's why I'm saying it needs a, it needs a quietness. It needs a place to work with down deep inside us. Um, 
that um, can be quiet enough to get some distance and be able to see these parts of us. Otherwise, they're totally mechanical and they'll just do whatever they do. If you go against them, well, that's where the struggle begins. So take anything that, oh, well, let's say like a habit, the habits that we have with eating and or drinking, or uh, smoking, or in those areas. Well, think think of what it is to, to try to go against it. That would be a struggle. Look what you struggled with with smoking over your lifetime. I want one now. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. struggle with it. I mean, and you stopped smoking periods, like long periods of time, right? The longest I had was about two and a half years. Two and a half years. And then I had one, I had one, and I bought like a single, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then 20 minutes later, I bought a pack. Yeah. Like super strange, powerful, you know, and then, but I'm not that, con- when I smoke, I, ju- I just go for it. And it's like, I am asleep when I'm doing that, you know, and I do bring this attention to it. And then I really do struggle with it. You know, and I, I'll hold it in my hand, and I'll put it down, and then I'll walk away. But then it seems, if I don't smoke, then it seems you get into the rhythm of another thing that's asleep. But then if you stay with that thought or stay with the thought of, you know, hey, this is my struggle, it, it can be pretty pretty eye-opening. Mm. Yeah, you can really feel it. You can feel that urge. So you had the one cigarette, and incidentally, that's how it works. Um even when we are, could abstain from uh, things that we think that are really not good for the for the for the overall for the feeling of the whole of ourselves, and we think this is not good for it, and we could even tame it to a certain degree, but we'll see that soon as it's let loose in some way, just the way you experience with that one cigarette, it's so quickly right in the background and can come right back. So we're incredible prey for anything in the world that can come along and um, show us something or uh, entice us with something because there's not enough of a center in us to withstand the instant gratifications and the drive-through you know, world of everything being fast and so on. So to develop something that I'm calling a quiet place and this is part of what meditation is, is developing that quiet place. Um, and from that quiet place, all this subconscious material starts to come up and you begin a chance to see it. But you're seeing it not in the act of doing it. You're seeing it from a more neutral position. So therefore, you're getting a little distance from it. Yeah, it's like meeting the family. Mm-hmm. The, the eye and eye. Yeah. You know, I, w- I did that um, master cleanse before. Remember I did that like two, three years ago. I went on that fast. Oh, yeah. And um, I did, what, I think 10 days or something. And then you're supposed to, you know, build up with like some kind of vegetable stock or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like build it, build back up to eating um, solid food again. And I ate, and that's when I worked over at Kimmel. And they have all the um, food oh. out and all that. Oh. I ate 50 fucking cookies oh, like that God. next day. <laughs> I just, bam, wow. cleared the table. And that, that, and that makes me see how I, but look at the, 
juxtaposition of that from nothing, you know, to mm-hmm. starvation to, all right, now I get to eat 50 cookies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how, like, that's how vacant I, I find myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, eating, eating for me in the world that I've come from, since I didn't have a lot to fall back on, I needed to find some way to nurture myself. Eating is the thing I really want to. And then and also in, the, in that culture is that they, they, um, they keep putting food and eating is a way of, 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 um, of being able to get through things. Just go down, just go eat something, you know, um, all that pasta. And, and that really added to, I was already feeling bad about myself and the gaining all this weight and becoming obese in that same period we were talking about earlier about my early childhood um, and, and really depending on food as a antidote as a medication and that's why we all have so many eating problems in the world too of course we're looking for something to soothe us but but the something that could soothe us in a different way is the connecting of these natures. What we want to do is keep trying to find the image, the food, this, um, the desire, the excitement the, at, at, the, at one level only. So therefore, that never really, uh, it, it doesn't really uh, fill us up because um, what's really needed is the unification of these two natures, and that brings a certain peace. So we're all stuck in our addictions. Um, and now with television and... Yeah, it's just like you're moving from one thing to the next. Yeah. What, did you, what would you consume a day? I, but, I, but I ate... First of all, there was no idea about something called healthy eating. It was all starch. And particularly... And I know there was a period of... Uh, during the Depression in the 30s, uh, where things were were bad in my family, and we're eating starches and mostly macaroni and bread and macaroni was the main staples, you know. Um, so sounds like a form of jail. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you really, you know, we really were um, stuck with that. Things were were bad. We were sheriffed out when we two or three times when when I was a kid. I don't even know if they use that term anymore, sheriff out. Like evicted. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what they use today. The sheriff comes and gets you when you're evicted. Yeah, and then those in those days they call it sheriff out. At least uh, my little community did. You and, remember being sheriffed out? Well, I, I no, I don't. Um, I think see, I'm I'm the last born, and by the time I came along. We might have been sheriffed out one more time. I'm not sure, but they were they were telling me about it, um, and they were and that was the warning. This means we're going to be sheriffed out. You know, if you wanted to have somebody do something extra or go to work or something, they say, oh, you would say that uh, we're going to be sheriffed out if you don't do it. Uh, I've forgotten that term that was used in that kind of way. Um, now, I myself. By the time I rolled around in 1930, um, my brothers were born like in mid-20s, 1927. And 19, uh, they went through that, I know. You know no, I don't think I did that. 
we were sheriffed out to Germany. You were? Well, yeah. That's oh, you were sheriffed yeah. out to Germany. <laughs> we got yeah. sheriffed out. Yeah, that's right. You were. Uh, you. Not, not my doing, but sheriffed out nonetheless. You guys were on the lamb. It's funny, like, you know, my dad with all his stuff and and it's funny how you're not even conscious of how you replicate what you had mm. you know and then when you do get that observer you do start watching you know the story's going to be a little different but the act is more or less the same bane mm. you know yeah i didn't go ripping people off or whatever or doing what my dad did or you know whatever he did steal a car, you know, stole money and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't do any of that, but, I mean, I got that in me. And I've replicated oh. it, you know, subcon- I don't. Even, it's subconscious, isn't it? I mean, you get, I mean, you're doing what your parents did, essentially. Yeah. You know, my mom was super rough and tough and tumble and boisterous and, you know, a little bit of a bully for being 5'2". You know, a buck thirty or whatever she was, and um, you know, I take the, I took that on too. Yeah. So you're not, and then you, and then to find that you weren't even, you know, and then to be thirty and now forty seven, and dealing, you know, working with you to see like like I'm hand in hand on a lot of shit. Oh sure, oh sure. We we the mimetic thing we talked about in the old lectures. The, the copying process of copying and using the models around us, um, you know, we we, in, we internalized as children um, those tendencies and dramas and um, just being in the environment with us. Of, of course, um, we have those um, some of those same kind of traits. I mean, I know... Um, yeah, remember another thing. I don't have, have I mentioned this? <laughs> My mother also had an idea that that I was um, touched. <laughs> yeah, that when she went to the hospital, that the the doctors must have given her some kind of sedative or something. I don't know. Um, and that uh, that when I when she took me home, that I was affected by that, and. Uh, and what was how it was said is that I was gassed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was that, and why now, if Junior is gassed, you know, from these doctors, I give, I give them the gas. Maybe my mother actually had gas. I don't even know. It was so long ago. Um, I wouldn't think so. But anyway, I've heard that since I was a kid. And, and, and that, but that gives you that stigma of being you're stupid. Then yeah, you're stupid. You can't do anything. But once that title was given to me, then I began to use it. I realized if I just looked a little gassed, <laughs> they would say... You didn't have to eat your turnips. You didn't have to right. eat your macaroni. And, and now don't ask me to do anything, you know, the chores or anything, because you know the kid. The He's kid's been gassed. Little, he's gassed. He won't be able to do it. Um, you so know, my, my grandpa, who was in Siberia via um, the Russians... In World War Two, and my mom, my mom was pretty bright. You know, she was yeah, yeah. semi. Uh, you know, English was her second language. But I have my mom's report card from Germany, and you know, say good, and you know, there's grades and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And the topics, I mean, thank God I didn't go to school in Germany because, well, 
you know, I wouldn't have went anyway. But anyway, she was a good student and she was mm-hmm. bright. And so when my grandpa came back, though, and met, you know, her class and so on and so forth, open house and, you know, Irena, how is she as a student? And my grandfather, her father's there with her, you know, and hey, she's a great student. And the reply from my grandpa to her teacher was, you must have a pretty stupid class then. Oh, my God. You know, and my mom grew up with the stigma of not thinking she was that intelligent. Yeah. You know, and, and but she took that to the grave with her, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't, you know, she never, she didn't drive until she was 30-something years old. She didn't participate in certain things because she felt inadequate at some level. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't, you know, but yet she lived that way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's you know and but how'd you get over being gassed? You seem to be pretty. pretty <laughs> no, well. things I didn't. I think I'm taking that to my grave too. No, what? Um, yeah, you don't get over it. You 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 merely try to compensate. So it's more of a compensation. And once I got out of the environment, then I began to get different feedback from other uh, people saying you you know. You're not as dumb as you say you are. And, you Would know. you like seek out other role models and stuff like that? I mean, consciously, or you know, would you go and did you go and get help? Like I went and got help. I I need help. You're my help. Yeah. You know, did you go and do that? Yeah, that's right. I had something like that too. I turned to the church early uh, for shelter, running in the church to get away. Because, you know, the evil folks wouldn't go into the church. So it was like a little of a protective place. But there was a Flemish nun. Uh, so took your virginity? What? Nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, Mother Isabel, I remember her name. She was like a person like I could run to after school and uh, I could talk to her. I would go to her at night sometime, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. And she was a solace to me. And she was a missionary nun. Very, she was kind of an important person during a hard time in my life where I didn't have any, any place to turn, really. Um, and I know I can go to this convent. And um, she would always see me, even in the evening after dinner. Um, and she'd be have, she would really give me a lot of solace, and <clears throat> mostly from a religious point of view. But uh, I felt a protection from her and advice from her. Yeah, so that's one. Did your whole family go to church like every Sunday? No. Um, I, didn't, they, I wouldn't say they took it that seriously. They would go. Uh, Sicilians in general haven't been, they've had always a little, a little uh, bone with the church, little disagreements. But they would, they did it culturally because they grew up in the culture uh, they would make token kinds of going on Christmas and sometimes on Sunday and um, Easter. Yeah, yeah, Easster. Well, I was in that, and that was my escape. And uh, since I couldn't, I couldn't fight in the real world, and I couldn't stand up and do the, what I had to do in the real world. I escaped to the church and the possibility of even uh, becoming a priest or a brother, but. I couldn't do that because I, I, I didn't have any education, so I couldn't even... I could Wait, only, you contemplated becoming a priest at one time? Well, as, as an escape avenue, yeah, a way I can get away from my world. But I, but I had to 
quickly realized I couldn't do that. I had no education, even to to um, you know, even to start anything called a a priesthood um, journey. But there was things called brothers in the church, and they didn't need an education, and they just would do um, any kind of menial thing, you know. Um, that, but that could Wait, be. Did, did you ever graduate high school? Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of got shuffled along, shuffled along, right? Yeah, I ended up in a vocational school because I tried to go south to South Philadelphia High School. It was called Southern, but I just didn't have I just didn't have any background. I just didn't, I just didn't learn anything. I was always on the lam and on the run and hiding. So by the time I got to high school, I had just uh, uh, I had no I had no confidence in my ability to do anything. So. I, so I would be going to high school and they were going to have algebra or something, and I didn't even know the times table. And I was, how was, how was I going to do algebra? So it was just like L.A. Unified. No, no, it, it, well, I, well, I was less trained, <laughs> even maybe less for, my, for me. But anyway, so I, I had to leave there because I couldn't do it. I went to a vocational school. In fact, I'll tell you how I got out of just quickly. I got out of vocational. So I went to this vocational school. You know, we had to learn the Italian kids and had to learn the to go into the tailor shops and uh, learn automobiles and which one you pick? Um, well, I picked music. Um, In vocation, there was vocational school music. Yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't a trade, but there was like a little music program. But I was put in the plastic shop. Now I remember when they didn't know what to do with me, and I didn't want to go into. So you, you could know, get gassed more. <laughs> And uh, that was terrible. Anyway, I'll tell you how it all ended. This was cut right to the chase. One day, and I would just go in for music, get you know, come home, didn't go to any classes or anything. And one day, they somebody found me and said, you know, we've been looking for you, some administrator. And he um, said, come into the office, because we're kicking you out of here. So he took me to the office, and he said, but, what, but you have nothing. You have, like, no records, he said. So I really looked bad for him, like, as though I... I got in between the, the lines. Fell between the cracks. There wasn't even a folder for me or something. So I spent an hour with him sitting down. And he went through each. He said, how are you at math? I said, not bad. He said, all right, see. He actually he produced a whole record for me, like a high school, vocational school record, and then they pushed, they threw me out. So it was clear. In other words, they covered their part, you know, because now I was actually uh, identified as a person. And years later, when I was in, I got off a band in, in, in California, and um, the next door to me was a Dr. Martin. I still remember his name. He, um, he was a teacher at Santa Monica City, and I used to talk to him sometime. He said, look, why don't you come over here? Why don't you go to college? I said, well, you don't know. I never went to anything. He said, well, look, let me just send for your records. So you got your transcripts sent? To college, and it looked like I was a regular high school student, and I hadn't gotten beyond the fourth grade. Um, and that's how I. Wait, so you, so then you started going back to school with through this, Doctor Martin? Well, I was, I was going to be in California for about. I hadn't been home quite a while. I was doing one nighters, and that's that's a whole other story. We'll get into sometime. But I've been away from home for quite a long time. But I was going to go home at Christmas. So he, he said, why don't you just do a semester in here? I said, those records you're seeing are not, you know. But, they, you know, records, they go by records. Um, 
according to the records, I had algebra and all that stuff, and I didn't have any of that. So I went to like one semester at Santa Monica City College about 1950, I think it was. And, um, but I couldn't, you know, I just took a few music courses. When oh, so I, you took what you already knew. Yeah. It's like I, me taking sports. Yeah, I took it. That's right. But I tell when they said, look. That means you cheated. Yeah, I cheated, yeah. <laughs> um, I th- how I thought was this. Look, they're going to take my picture and give me an identification card, and this picture I'll take home and I'll tell everybody they'll see Junior's picture on a college card and then I went to college. And that's like the reason I did it. I could show the rest of them that Junior, the gas, Junior the gas man, um, actually went to college. I can show them my pictures. Of Santa Monica City College. Yeah, Santa Monica City. First semester of Santa Monica City College. So you still, you, I mean, even with what you had and everything else, you had a, you had a show like, hey, look, I, I am worthy. Or I am Look what I did. I went to college. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, well, it was kind of a con deal, you know, because uh, they didn't know college. They did. They looked at the car and said, wow, Junior went to college. Look at his picture. Passed my picture. Nobody went to college. Um, it was just, a, and I learned a con because that's the way I, you know, I got through everything. And Anyway, uh, see, I'm looking at our time. I'm looking about we're coming to we're, the Wait, end wait, wait. Time. So how did you get, what did you do? You, how'd you go back to school? Oh, that was, you know, I think I think I, I went back to Philadelphia, got back into the music business again, and then there's a. Uh, there's well, how old were you when you went back to school? Um, were you like fifty? No, well, later, later the years, yeah, I kept pecked away at the edu- education, but in my thirties, I would say, uh, again, that's that's. Did you go get an AA and all that kind yeah. of thing? Mm-hmm. Or and then did you get a BA uh, or anything? I got a I got a um, a uh, I took elementary education because I thought maybe you were going to be a teacher. Get, yeah, well, it was it was a thing I could possibly do. In other words, like the academic part of that I might be able to get through. Um, yeah, that's that's the whole education part was there's a kind of a few stories in that one that we we'll, uh, can talk about. But anyway, I can see our time. We're coming to the end today. So, again, Ray and I um, see our similarities and are both trying to get through and both of us looking for uh, a mentor that we can plug in and get some solace and uh, somebody that can look at us in a different way. Um, Remember that idea about to really be seen is to be born I think we both were in search of that. We found it in different ways, but we both um, were searching for that. So anyway, um, I want to thank you for listening. And um, I think today was our number eight. And um, so I hope to see you again. Hey, Jim. Number nine. Oh, no, nine. Next. This is today's number nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, number nine. So next will be number ten. Um Okay, so glad you could join us, and we're signing off for Jim. Bye. Bye now. With each word, your tenderness grows, tearing. 
Oh, thank 